<laughs> yeah, that was that was more like a chicken. From UW Tacoma, this is Pot Defiance. Welcome to Pod Defiance, where we don't lecture, but we do educate. I'm your host, Maria Chrysostomo. Today, we're talking dino DNA with assistant professors Uba Bachkanya and Christopher Schell, who will share their love of Jurassic Park with us. Uba, Chris, thank you for being on the pod. So I'm Uba Bachkanya. I'm in my third year as an assistant professor in nursing and healthcare leadership at UW-Tacoma. And I'm doing research in health technology and health informatics, and I really like figuring out how to create visuals and graphs and interesting ways of representing data that are more than just numbers. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm Christopher Schell. It's my first year here, uh, assistant professor in, in SAM, so science and mathematics. And I'm really interested in, in urban wildlife and cities. So how do things like coyotes and raccoons and foxes, how do they survive in cities? And then how do humans drive that survival? So this kind of co-evolution of sorts. So I see that you guys brought some things. Mm-hmm. What did you bring today to the studio? So I can start. <laughs> um, I brought a book that I bought when I was a kid when the movie came out talking about the making of Jurassic Park. I, got, I was completely obsessed with the movie. I, I saw it probably five times <laughs> within the span of a month, maybe. I remember seeing going to the theater for probably the fourth or fifth time and a tornado siren went off. And, <laughs> wow. every, and so everyone evacuated, but I... I evacuated too, but then I just went straight back to the movie after the tornado siren went off because I was like, I gotta finish watching it. Come on. Right. Um, No tornado is gonna stop me. So, um, but yeah, and then I also brought a T Rex and a uh, a Triceratops that my daughter had me bring because she also loves Jurassic Park. Yeah, I. I am am with Uba on this. I got a, a sweater for this 2018 Christmas. My wife Danielle got me a, a Christmas sweater that says Jurassic Park Jurassic on it. It's got the Park. logo, and it, it's yeah, super legit. It's giving me a lot of street cred uh, with my students this, this quarter. So that's <laughs> been pretty cool. awesome. Um, yeah, and of course, I, I also have a hoodie and you know all the apparel you could you could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I rock it whenever. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I forgot to bring was a frame picture that I have. That's a Sam Neil likes your tweet. Oh. I tweeted something about a different movie he did called Hunt for the Wilder People, mm-hmm. and he liked it. And of course, he's my idol, along with Laura nice. Dern and um, everybody in that movie. So I framed it, and it's in my office. It's oh, the only wow. artwork I have. I this- need to stop by your office. <laughs> <laughs> so um, talking a little bit about Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite scene? You know, it's funny that, and I, I go back and forth because I like the second one slightly better than the first one, which I know is sacrilegious to say. Yeah. Uh, Controversial. Right. <laughs> uh, the, but with the first one, I always think about, and I do this a lot because, you know, I'm working with coyotes that very much are my allegory for velociraptors. So that's as close as I got to working with dinosaurs. <laughs> um, the scene where the velociraptor, the one in front is kind of eating or just being a, a stand in. And then the one comes in from the side and forget the character's name, but he's like clever girl oh, and then the dude Muldoon. is gone yeah exactly uh i think about that scene yeah. all the time clever girl. Yeah. yeah i say that to my daughter sometimes clever girl, clever girl. <laughs> uh, yeah my favorite part in it still gives me goosebumps to this day even though i've seen it a zillion times it's when um ellie and dr grant first see they first see the, a dinosaur and just the looks on their faces and then you see the the uh, brachiosaurus for the first time and you know Alan falls down. It's just it that yeah brings me brings me goosebumps. I love it so much. 
Yeah. So how did that influence you? Like you, you know, were you watching it the first time, mm-hmm. and how did that inspire you to, you know, pursue science? Yeah. When I when I watched the movies, and this was particularly for for the Lost World, uh, I very much like Julianne Moore's character mm-hmm. because she was constantly talking about the behavior of the animals and how they were doing what they were doing. And mm-hmm. uh, it was really the psychology and animal behavior of it all. Mm-hmm. And it's funny now that I, I do behavioral eco- ecology for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much thinking about how to observe things and then understand the mechanisms behind that. Mm-hmm. And through that movie and, you know, which again, I'm going to, offer up my evidence for why I think it's almost as good as the original. <laughs> um, but man, between Jeff Goldblum and, and uh, Vince Vaughn and Julianne Moore and, and had a lot of really good actors in it. Um, it was something where I think it was work I could translate to what I'm doing now on animals that aren't actually dinosaurs. And that really influenced me to think of like the way animals do what they do. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, for me, the... So the yeah the movie just blew my mind the first time I saw it and because there was nothing really like it and the thing that I really liked about it was that there were scientists in it and I was a little nerd and there weren't that many <laughs> movies about scientists that weren't like I don't know legitimate scientist type movies and I just I loved that there were these characters who are talking about science they're talking about biology they're doing all this deductive thinking and to there's two scenes that I kind of bring to what I do now and that have really inspired me. So there's the part where the where um where Alan and the kids run into the eggs. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> and so Alan sits there. I mean, they have this this scene where you get to have Alan talk through his reasoning like, okay, so why would there be these eggs here? Oh, there's some West African frogs that um will change spontaneously change sex in an all-sex environment. And that I just really loved that, you know, that thinking and reasoning and so I do that with my work as well. So I like why do certain people have higher risk of disease than others? What are some social determinants of health that might be impacting people disproportionately? And just that deductive and creative thinking about how to solve a problem, I really loved. And the other part that I actually bring into almost every quarter in a lecture is the the quote from Jeff Goldblum, where he says that uh, your scientists didn't stop to uh, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could they didn't stop to think about whether or not they should and mm. i talk about that in my data science class yeah. because you can have zillions of data points but and you can do all the analyses you want on them but whether or not you have to take a step back to say should we analyze these data are these the right data that we need for to answer our question mm-hmm. are these quality data and things like that so i have a gif <laughs> that i show in every <laughs> single one of my data science or my visualization lectures it's like there there he is telling us you know we have yeah. to pause and be thoughtful and purposeful in our science Hey everyone, it's Maria. I wanted to take a second to talk more about Christopher Shell. Dr. Shell is an urban ecologist exploring how coyotes and other carnivores adapt to cities. He came to UW Tacoma in the fall of 2018. Dr. Shell is currently working with Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium, Northwest Track, and Metro Parks Tacoma on the Great City Carnivore Project, which aims to monitor urban wildlife in Tacoma. For more information about the project and Dr. Show, visit the UW Tacoma website and type Urban Ecologist into the search bar. Okay, back to the show. So I'm 22 and there is this pressure to have everything figured out. What do you say to students that are in doubt of their career paths or life choices? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, and, and Uba can 
probably back me up on this, but we're constantly in doubt, constantly yep. kind of reading <laughs> yeah. Yeah. exactly what yeah. we are doing, what we yeah. want to do, how we mm-hmm. want to approach our science, the questions mm-hmm. we want to ask and answer. And that especially is the case, you know, even when we're kind of in that uh, professorial role, we're very much trying to figure out, all right, well, how do I want to take this? Mm-hmm. Where do I want to take the questions? What questions am I really interested mm-hmm. in? Um, and two, also just factoring in life. Right. So yeah. like having a family and mm-hmm. and being able to be somebody who is a self-sustaining member of society, <laughs> uh, that is is important to this larger narrative of, of understanding the science, which is it's funny because very much in, in all of the or well, most of the Jurassic Park movies, <laughs> that is the case with a lot of the characters is understanding the science and how the science impacts mm-hmm. uh, us as individuals and how we live our lives and, and what that means for how we live our lives. So uh, I try and tell students that right now is the best time for you to figure out what exactly it is you want to mm-hmm. do because you have more or less the latitude to really find yourself and, mm-hmm. and understand what that means. And every few years, that's going to change. And it's okay to be all right with the change, which is mm-hmm. is funny because that's kind of the the theme I see running through all these Jurassic Park movies is that there's change and it's always constant mm-hmm. um, and we have to adapt with that change. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so with my students too, I, you know, I try to support them in thinking about, you know, if, if they want to try something, they should try it out. And, you know, you might it it might not work out, but that's okay. You learn something, and so I mean that's something that happened with Jurassic Park too. It was a total failure. <laughs> but it's like then you know you would think that they would learn from it, but they don't. But um, it's you Never. know yeah, that's part of science. Like you just keep on trying. And like even the fact that you know Ellie and Alan decided to take this chance and go to this island when this you know they're benefactor. I mean, there there's some power issues in there. there. They probably couldn't have said no because they're the yeah. funders, you know, professors. Yeah. We know how funding can really push you to do something. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so just like taking that chance and, you know, trying it out. If it doesn't work out, you know, try something else. And mm-hmm. the one thing that I really like and I, I integrate in my classes too is, is cooperative work and learning mm-hmm. from each other. And that's one thing that I really love about Jurassic Park is that, you know, it's not just one scientist making a decision. It's a group effort. Like the fact that there's, what is it, 10 or 15 minutes yeah. where they're sitting around a, a table talking about the ethics of cloning and making new dinosaurs just mm-hmm. blows my mind. But it's just, it's more than just one scientist. It's multiple perspectives, multiple people, people working yeah. together. And that's part of what I really like about teaching is that it, we can create these environments where students can try that out and figure mm-hmm. out how they can do that in their careers in the future. Wow. So now just like going back a little bit once you were in college, mm-hmm. did you ever doubt science? Did you ever like, we're like, I'm not interested in science no more? Was there any doubt within your oh, career yes. path? You know, like, what was that like? Oh, man. Uh, Uva? Oh, I tried out so many different things. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Nursing is actually my second undergrad because I tried some other stuff mm-hmm. earlier on and it didn't totally work out. I was like, I wanted, I wanted to try out paleontology, but they didn't have that at my school. So I was like, okay, I'll do archaeology. That didn't really work. And like then I tried going the hardcore core genetics route. And I was like, I can't handle being in the lab at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I just tried so many different things. And I finally found something that I liked. And it kind of blended everything that I liked about health, working with people in the community, uh, working with technology, working with data, um, solving problems. And uh, But it, t- it took time. And... Uh, I'm I'm glad I was I had the ability to try out certain things when I was an undergrad, and I I encourage other people to do that too, just so that you know they can see if something doesn't work and they can <clears throat> then learn from it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with Uba. I, I tried everything. Um, <laughs> you really do need to try yeah. a lot in order to kind of find out what you want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, full disclaimer, I was in undergrad a psychology major. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I teach, you know, urban ecology. So I tried. <laughs> I very much thought I was going to be a, a neurosurgeon. That didn't work out because <laughs> I volunteered at a hospital and I did not like it. Uh, and <laughs> You know, as an undergrad freshman, you, you can't really do too much uh, mm-hmm. because of HIPAA. But uh, the following summer, went to the Dominican Republic for two months and studied, of all things, tarantulas. Uh, <laughs> wow. So that was my first ever experience into the world of ecology, mm-hmm. working with tarantulas and other like orb-weaving spiders. I just got hooked from there. Mm-hmm. So uh, at first, I thought, all right, well, maybe I'll keep going down that path. Um, but then... Try to give the more human side of science a, a mm-hmm. shot, uh, which is all the more ironic that now I work in cities <laughs> that very much 90% of my job is interfacing with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's funny that I came back to it, but you know, I thought I was going to be a clinical psychologist at one point, mm-hmm. social psychologist, um, you know, again, neuroscientist, some type of MD and mm-hmm. ultimately ended up in, in biology mm-hmm. and, all of the themes, all of the stuff I learned from trying, mm-hmm. I still kind of implement a lot of that into to what I do. So there yeah. are little life lessons here and there that I picked up that I just put in my backpack and mm-hmm. I feel like I can use them now because I see the full picture. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the classes that you teach? I'm very interested. <laughs> <laughs> so I teach uh, in the undergrad and master's program mm-hmm. in nursing and healthcare leadership. I teach uh, critical thinking and writing, which again, like I try to bring in you know, what I learned from Jurassic Park about, like, that critical thinking stuff that inspired me. Uh, I teach intro to health informatics and for both undergraduate uh, healthcare leadership students and the master's nursing students and health analytics. And that's where I talk a lot. Jurassic Park comes up a lot. And then also leadership (laughs) uh, for the undergraduate nursing course. And I actually use John Hammond as an example of a laissez-faire leader in that class. So so Jurassic Park comes up a lot, even though you would think, why would it come up in analytics? Why would it come up in leadership? It's It's there. You can find ways to make Jurassic Park fit into any class. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I teach pretty much bio one um, as – as that cornerstone class I'll be teaching every year uh, during the winter 2019. And in there, I you know blend a lot of uh, Jurassic Park, but then also all things Marvel, all things DC, uh, anything you can think of that's some type of pop culture reference. I, I feel like I used I used Biggie at one point. Oh. Um, <laughs> I use X-Files. X-Files, yeah. 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 yeah I mean, <laughs> it's, it's good to be able to kind of create those heuristics and make those cognitive links. And that way, um, students can also see all of the links. So mm-hmm. uh, very much much bio one and then uh pretty soon here i'm going to be doing an urban ecology class so getting students out into the field which is you know for us just tacoma uh, yeah. pierce pierce county and, and all the areas around it and a couple of upper level courses that have not yet been developed but are in the works so hopefully a lot a lot of stuff yeah, where i can just kind of put yeah. some jurassic park in <laughs> here and there a little bit of jurassic park in each class yeah. yes <laughs> yes that's that is a goal so now like kind of like touching base on the students mm-hmm. um a lot of people don't think about, like, you know, movies is going to influence you somehow mm-hmm. in your career path. What do you say about that? Well, it's funny. You don't quite realize at the moment that mm-hmm. something may influence you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's only until later that you 
start thinking about maybe some lines in a movie, mm-hmm. right? I constantly think about when Jeff Goldblum says, life finds a way. Yep. Mm-hmm. I literally <laughs> made a title of a talk that has that in the title. You need to have that be a title of a paper somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Ha- yeah, hashtag life goals there. <laughs> I did that once with a Star Trek reference. No, <laughs> you can do it. It's possible. Oh, man. Uh, Uba is teaching me so much right now. Uh, yeah, they, sometimes you may not think of it, and then all of a sudden it may just click in you. Yeah. Like there's something that's been brewing for a long time, and it somehow unconsciously changes the way in which you see the world, mm-hmm. changes your worldview, and all of a sudden you're like, man, all right, well, maybe Jurassic Park did have a, a big role in influence. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because dinosaurs were eating people or mm-hmm. you know, blood was raining from waterfalls. It was <laughs> yeah. more just huh, the way in which they reason, the way in which they actually use a scientific method mm-hmm. is something that I can adopt yeah. here mm-hmm. in this particular example. For instance, yeah. <laughs> right? I work at uh, sometimes this captive coyote facility out in Millville, Utah. Mm-hmm. And the whole – Velociraptor attacking from the side thing, I think about constantly because coyotes, when they're approaching people, they don't approach from the front. They approach from the back and the sides. Oh, boy. <laughs> so quite literally, you will see something in your periphery and say, what is that? And they really just are kind of curious to see what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Because they're, you know, just trying to rouse you. But it's funny that I oftentimes think of that scene and then think, Okay, that's not a velociraptor. Calm down, Chris. <laughs> yeah, right. Just a, a small dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, mm-hmm. it crystallizes later, and mm-hmm. especially after watching it every time I, every time I watch it, I'm in a different place in my life, and I see new things in it, and then it makes me realize even more how much it made an influence on me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Especially being a little nerd, it's it, this. <laughs> this movie was something that I thought about. All the time. Yeah. And even if I – back in my subconscious, um, it wasn't something that was totally conscious all the time. But, mm-hmm. yeah, having that hindsight 20, is 2020 perspective, I wasn't always aware about how much I loved that – you know, loved the movie and how much it influenced me. But I, it's it's definitely there. And it was, it was unexpected. I never thought probably when I was – however old I was when the movie came out that mm-hmm. a dinosaur movie would make such a big impact on me. But I think it like you're like you're saying where it's – it's more than just a movie about dinosaurs. It's a movie about people working together. It's about those human relationships. It's about how people problem solve. And it's it, the whole ecosystem of the movie. Another word, way of saying ecosystem, I guess. Right. Uh, um, or should I, should I throw in some movie theory? A maison-scene or whatever? Um, <laughs> part of the movie where it's there's so much more going on that's more about life in general and working with people and, and solving problems than just, you know mm-hmm. – a dinosaur eating someone off a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to the show in just a moment, but first let's hear more about Uba Bashnia. Dr. Bashnia started at UW Tacoma in the fall of 2016. She teaches courses in the nursing and healthcare leadership program. Dr. Bashnia's research focuses on health informatics. She's currently working with Share Northwest on a project to address rural health disparities in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Alaska. You can read Dr. Bashnia's story on the UW Tacoma website by typing data visualization into the search bar. So when we walked in, um, you guys were talking about X-Files and X-Men. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What is it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it turns out, so we just met here for this recording. Like and, 30 minutes yeah, ago. And it turns out that we also are really huge X-Men fans. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I mean, just this came up just now. I'm really huge into X Files too, but yeah, X Men was another thing along with Jurassic Park. Jurassic I was really Park. huge yeah. into when I was a kid. So yeah, I haven't integrated X Men as much in my teaching as I should. I need to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Life goals, right? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's more or less kind of a gimme, Chris. You need to do it right now. I don't see why you wouldn't, because mm-hmm. in Bio One we talk about mutation yep. and we talk mm-hmm. about natural selection and mm-hmm. we talk about uh, gene flow and genetic mm-hmm. drift and all of these things that mm-hmm. it's it's real awesome mm-hmm. to just be able to slide X Men on right in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I like it so much because, again, you know. For nerding out and I'm being real with myself, that's my favorite comic mm-hmm. of all time. Same here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the stories <laughs> itself are, are really interesting. And, and looking back at the stories and how they originated mm-hmm. were based loosely off of the the struggles in terms of the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and the movements between Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. and Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And very much those two kind of respectively embody Professor X and Magneto mm-hmm. and how there's this very much a struggle between and within uh, communities of people and mm-hmm. understanding difference and how to be inclusive of that difference and also not to fear it. Mm-hmm. And the approach by which you take to mm-hmm. tackling that, mm-hmm. which, you know, in in our universe is, is racism and their universe is powers. But mm-hmm. very much I, I always saw that struggle of I want to be able to do good and integrate everybody. And then on the other side, it's, well, this struggle is way too hard. They're never mm-hmm. going to accept us. So mm-hmm. just burn it all down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that dichotomy, I think, exists with a lot of people that are part of non-dominant community. So, you know, I'm African-American. Uba is a woman. We very much are are facing within even the scientific community, mm-hmm. let alone the world, just like how do we face these everyday microaggressions mm-hmm. and get past them to be able to then do our jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's why X-Men for me was just so powerful. <clears throat> yeah. And the very realistic way that you have Magneto, he's not a villain. He is kind of an anti-hero. He's really complicated and that's life. That's mm-hmm. what you yep. see in everyday life and that's why I really didn't like the Superman comics because it was just, you have perfect Superman he's totally invincible except for <laughs> Kryptonite and then you have Lex <laughs> Luthor and he's just the epitome of evil. He's terrible. That's not life. It's not interesting and I really liked it and so that's why I really loved X-Men because it was, it really captured how the variety of ways that life exists and in this mutant world and it's just really interesting to see how these little social experiments work out in the comics. And, you know, they you, you might not see you may or may not see parallels in real life, but sometimes they do show up in real life. And so you're like, oh, yeah, this X-Men stuff is kind of relevant. And that's why it's interesting and compelling. And plus, there's, you know, super awesome people in there yeah. like Rogue and Wolverine and stuff. So <laughs> right. uh, it makes it fun. But uh <laughs> Yeah, and also the '90s cartoon. Is- <laughs> the best. If you if you could have a power, which would it be? Oh man, <laughs> See, I think about that all the time. I can never come up with an answer. I don't know. How about you? So I I fluctuate. Some days I want cryokinesis. Yep. For those of you that don't know, cryokinesis is the ability to freeze things with your mind, um, and telekinesis, so yep. the ability to read minds yeah. and also move stuff. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, mind stuff. So if mind Jean, stuff. <laughs> Jean Grey and Bobby had a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yep. That would be you. Yeah, Those are my awesome. two favorites. <laughs> I, I love Wolverine because he's just He's legit. Wolverine. He's, he's I mean, Wolverine. He's, he's the dude. He's a dude. For yeah. any of y'all I haven't seen, Logan, by the way. Oh, uh-huh. Oof, yep. That, that is that fire. Is intense. Have you watched the black and white one? Yes. Oh, the noir. It's, oh, it's so, so good. Uh, he's so passionate about yeah, it. I yeah, I have an... I sh- if I knew we were talking about X-Men, I would have brought in my, X- my <laughs> Wolverine X-Men. doll with the retractable claws and oh. he talks. 
from when the 2000 movie came out. <laughs> My daughter plays with it. <laughs> nice. We could do a second podcast. Oh, we could. We could. Yeah. So she like pretends that Wolverine's her baby. Also, her American Girl doll, and they're like her kids. <laughs> like blending of worlds. Anyway. Um, but yeah. Yeah. X-Men's great. And it's also like, yeah, great for yeah. talking about science, like you're saying. I mean, I, I kind of wish I was a geneticist just so I could talk about it a lot more. <laughs> so touching base a little bit on Jurassic Park, what do you think about the new movies? <laughs> I have not seen them. Uh, on purpose because I love the original one so much Mm -hmm. that I just have not I just can't but I'm sure I will someday yeah so I, I'm a I purist. A, yeah, Uwe uh, and I both have strong opinions. I have seen this, the last two, the latest Jurassic Worlds, and the Jurassic World, the first one was pretty good. It was, it had a lot of allegory from the first movie, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, anything with BD Wong in it is oh, yeah. just stellar. All the things. So they, why Mulan is so good. Exactly. I mean, oh, yeah. all of the characters yeah. in in that movie too. Mm-hmm. There we go. We can spend another I, podcast yeah, on Mulan, uh, but. Yeah, I, I think the fact that like B.D. Wong in that movie pretty much just throws a lot of shade on some fan <laughs> theories about how these dinosaurs, they're not actually dinosaurs. They're not actually what was living. This is, you know, just a science experiment gone horribly wrong and we're the ones controlling it mm-hmm. was kind of uh, funny and comical and sardonic and all of the things. The second Jurassic World movie, however, that not only was too short, but also, I mean, there were clones in there, human clones, and then what? one of the human clones had decided that it was okay to let dinosaurs roam the main continent of North America. <laughs> so then you end the movie with dinosaurs interacting in suburbs, and it's like, okay, I get that. I, I like the fact that we're going to go to another level. But it was just – it was kind of a layup that missed the hoop. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't really work too mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Again, if you had scrubbed all the people out of that movie and just left the dinosaurs in, it probably would have been good. Yeah. So We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what the third one has in store. If they actually get to some existential thought about how it is to interact with species that were, you know, hundred million years dead, and then now all of a sudden they are with you. So how do yeah. you coexist? Yeah. And that, I mean, that is the underlying factor of my job. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if they do a good job on that, cool. But I'm gonna be grading them real hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it'd be really nice if they had. They kind of took a step back instead of it with it's the same thing with the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe where every single movie has to be even bigger. Same thing with the X-Men movies. That's why Age of Apocalypse was what it was. And so (laughs) (laughs) just like every single sequel has to be even more big, even more CGI. That's what I really like about the original one is because they didn't have all that sophisticated technology and they really had to focus more Mm -hmm. on how people interact with other people, how they interact with the dinosaurs, and having those conversations where you can talk about things where you're like, that doesn't totally make sense that there's a clone doing whatever it was doing. Um, it would be nice if they just kind of like took a pause and just like chilled out for a little bit. <laughs> and for this, if they make a next one, say, let's have a conversation about what's going on. And like, maybe that would be interesting as as much as like a volcano exploding yeah. and stuff. I don't know, whatever was on the trailer <laughs> that I saw. <laughs> but yeah, that's that would be my hope, I guess. So a Velociraptor or T Rex? Oh, I have to go with T Rex. I'm sorry. Really? I know. I know. Okay. What What's your argument? What's your argument? I just really don't have one. I mean, I, I love Velociraptors. They're awesome. Um, I guess just it, it's probably just that final scene of the original one mm-hmm. where you have the big, you know, the T Rex kind of saving the day yeah. as like kind of like the antihero, and the, mm-hmm. the Velociraptors are trying to, you know 
overcome it with, you know, stealth and numbers, but doesn't the T-Rex still survives. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess that's probably it. I mean, the velociraptors are way smarter and way more cunning. So theoretically, I should like them. But <laughs> I don't know. It's probably just that last yeah, scene for Jurassic Park. the last Park. scene, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. The last scene in, in, in the first Jurassic Park and also the last scene in the first Jurassic World, the mm-hmm. T-Rex oftentimes is the one that comes to the to the rescue. Yeah. However, yeah. Velociraptor, <laughs> yeah. hands down. Yeah. Uh, well, you work with the coyotes, which are, yeah. <laughs> right. Which, I'm, for the record, if we're being legitimate science nerds, yeah. the Velociraptors that they have, again, to B.D. Wong's credit, mm-hmm. that they have on screen are more closely related to or what would look like a Deinonychus, not a okay. Velociraptor. Mm-hmm. Which a Velociraptor would have been like a medium-sized dog Mm. but but that being said the fact they're really smart Mm -hmm. that they're trainable that Mm -hmm. constantly you're learning about animal behavior and and the fact Mm -hmm. that they could potentially outsmart you Mm -hmm. all of the time you have to be on your toes yeah i like that yeah and i like that they had that that they they were able to choose a dinosaur that theoretically was smart like the trodons in that family family too where it's like they're they have the bigger brains and so having that element of not just like brute strength which t-rex kind of has having that smarts in there too and you know that could be on the same level as humans not really but you know that they could be you know um you know working against the humans in some sort of way and um cognitively on on par with them is really fun Mm -hmm. oh they miss those feathers (laughs) they need need more more feathers yep Nice plumage. Right. <laughs> yep. So before we start recording, you said you could do an impression, right? <laughs> uh, um, I, I will do my best attempt at a velociraptor screech, which will probably be terrible, but it may actually sound good on a podcast. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was more like a chicken. <laughs> But hey, it was as is as close as I think I could get. Could you do the Jeff Goldblum laugh on the helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I was able, I, I practiced that a lot. There you go. Um, <laughs> that long awkward laugh. Right. There, well, do you have any impressions? Just the Jeff Goldblum <laughs> laughing <laughs> very strangely on a helicopter for a really long time. It's gold. Pure right. gold. Yeah. Go back and watch the original movies. They are solid. They yeah. really yeah. are. They are so good. They are so good. Thank you to our guests and a big thank you to our senior lecturer, Nicole Blair, for letting us play your music on the show. Thank you to Moon Yard Recording Studio and thank you for joining us today. 